Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, how scientists are trying to make a better kind of plastic, the kind you won't feel guilty about throwing away, that's renewable, recyclable, degradable, and maybe even cheaper to make than the stuff that's currently clogging landfills, oceans, and generally creating a great big toxic mess worldwide. Now, to help make that happen, the National Science Foundation just gave the University of Akron a $525,000 polymer research grant, and we talked about it with assistant professor Dr. James Egan. I asked if this might help us come up with more environmentally friendly alternatives to plastic garbage bags, for example, which we all use, but which we all know are just going to wind up in a landfill somewhere. The problem and the challenge with Uh, sustainable polymers is currently we make our polymers from fossil fuels, which will run out, and it emits a lot of carbon dioxide in the process of making them. We also have to optimize the polymer performance. We don't want to make a sustainable polymer just for it to perform really poorly and us get frustrated with the products and then never use it. And then lastly, what happens at the end of use for these polymers? Are they going to sit in the landfills for a millennia? Um, Are they going to degrade or can they be recycled? And the real challenge is addressing all of those, not just picking one or the other, because we have materials that can do one or the other, but having this super material that is sustainable in every single one of those aspects is the real challenge. And that's what we're working on. Well, is there any way to make a polymer or a plastic-like substance without using fossil fuels? Can you use something else, like some sort of naturally occurring oil or fish scales or something else? Absolutely. And bio-based polymers are on the market. Um, You can turn the material of plants or trees or food waste into the same feedstocks that we currently use to produce polymers. And one of the challenges and something to keep in mind, though, is of all of that material, it only is 1% of our total plastic production. Only 1% of it is bio-based. The other 99% is fossil fuel-based. And one of the challenges here is, do we really want to make polymers from plants that we should otherwise be consuming for food. We're going to compete in terms of our fresh water, our land, our fertilizer, in order to grow these feedstocks. So we need to be very careful and very deliberate in the feedstocks that we choose. So things like food waste is an excellent feedstock because otherwise it's just going to rot. On the other hand, feedstocks like soy are not a good choice because soy is actually the leading cause of deforestation in Malaysia and other rainforest tropical spaces. So we want to be very careful about what oils we pick and what feedstocks we choose. Going back to that using plastic garbage bags, I've seen some that say they're recyclable, but really all they do is they just degrade. They degrade into like really small pellets, but they're still plastic. I mean, they don't degrade into something that's not toxic. Yeah, so for the 
end of use. When you're done with a polymer, what are you going to, to do with it, right? Um, ideally, you will reuse it. You'll find another use for this material and continue to reuse it. If you need to get rid of it because you have no use for it, um, then for bags, you can actually bring them back to the store. And so most grocery stores have a bag collection at the front, and they will take those bags they will melt them down. They won't make new bags out of it, but they'll make things like construction lumber, and you can buy you know, recycled lawn furniture out of these materials, which at least it has another use. Oh. And last option is that it ends up in the landfill, and it takes forever to, to break down. And even, even degradable or compostable plastics, sometimes they don't really break down. I, I'm, I'm an avid farmer and have a little garden and uh, there's my compost bin has some compostable bags in it and they've been in there for a couple years they haven't broken down hardly at all and the difference is that your backyard compost is very different than an industrial compost which is very different from the side of the road or in the ocean and so the exact environment and the high temperatures of an industrial compost are very very important for actually having these materials degrade into, as you said, you know, inoculated particles. So with this NSF grant that you guys just got, what are you going to be using it for? So this NSF grant is really focused on developing our instrumentation. And so when we talk about having a sustainable polymer that has good performance, probably the most um, important property of a polymer, if you think of a polymer as a, as a bead of strings or a necklace, is how long is that necklace? How big is it? The bigger it is, the higher performance. And measuring how big these you know, microscopic materials and molecules are requires very advanced instrumentation. And so this NSF grant is focused on developing some of that instrumentation as well as using the tool to teach our students, both at the undergraduate and graduate level, how this research is conducted and how it's, um, this instrument can be used. You know, when you talked about as you work on this research and as you shift into different things other than using fossil fuels, you talked about, well, you don't want to compete with food sources. And that's interesting to me, kind of the unintended consequences of a, a good action and that you have to be cognizant of that. And it reminds me that we're all in this process of shifting away from fossil fuels in a really big way, like going to electric cars. And what some people are finding with their electric cars is they go out and they want to charge them and there's not enough chargers. So it seems like while we're in this in-between phase between lots of fossil fuels and either less of them or none of them, there's this uncomfortable period in between. That's a really articulate way of describing it. I agree. The transition from the industrial era into this future era of sustainability is going to be difficult. And I think one of the most important things for everyday folk is don't get discouraged. Just because you, you find out that your local municipality isn't recycling the way you thought they were. doesn't mean it's not worth recycling because you're providing the demand. You're telling companies that we care about this. And as a result, they are responding by developing truly sustainable products to meet these. 
And during that process, we're going to have to wade through some what I like to call greenwashing, where companies advertise things as being really green, but in reality, it might be more harmful (laughs) than it really is. There are those good products, and those are going to win out in the long term because that's that's how the market works. But it, it is an uncomfortable period where there are unintended consequences to uh, taking the more sustainable approach. And then in terms of actually getting pushback from industry, are you concerned about that? And is there a way that you could produce these alternative materials that would make it more palatable for them to, let's say, big businesses to adopt using these? If a product can be as inexpensive as a fossil fuel-based product, it can get adopted very readily. And in fact, a lot of these petrochemical companies are the ones leading this research and these products. They have the infrastructure to produce these materials. They have the, the not going out of business. And so developing materials that are both compatible with business but also compatible with the earth is why this is such a, a hard challenge. But um, both companies and academics and entrepreneurs are rising to this challenge here. So what you're saying is that companies right now really do feel that they have an incentive to go green. They're just waiting to see if they can get something to replace what they have right now that's cheap enough for them to use. Some are waiting and some are applying all of their research efforts towards this. When are you going to start doing this new research then or have you already started? So this research has been going on at the University of Akron for, for several years now. We have this very rich history in polymer research and polymer science. And in the last decade, that sustainability really has become at the forefront of every single research project. We really have the expertise to tackle some of those challenges. So this NSF-funded grant will start actually this month. We'll begin our research on it immediately. And it really is going to complement and build our expertise in an area that's been going on for several years now. You know, a side note, I talked last year with a professor at Case Western, and she was working on a way to take plastic, like really hard plastic, say the stuff that you make the inside of airplanes with that isn't recyclable, to make that recyclable. And I wondered whether or not you'd heard about that kind of research and if that's some of the kind of stuff that you guys are doing as well. Yeah. So lightweight composites are really important materials. We make airplanes, we make cars out of them, and by making them really strong and really light, which is perfect for polymers, then you can really reduce the amount of fuel consumption in these vehicles and uh, our transportation sector. And as you said, it's very difficult to recycle those sorts of composites because they have carbon fiber in them. They're what we call cross-linked, meaning that you can't melt and remold it. And so how do you then get these materials to be reused? Currently, our plane fuselages and wind turbines are another good example. When we're done with them, they just sit in a landfill in the desert. And it's how do we then recover these materials and reuse them. Our group of researchers at the University of Akron do have projects in this area of lightweight carbon fiber composites. 
Um, that work is funded by the Department of Energy, and we're really focused on not only how do you recycle it, but how do you make it, again, from these sustainable, non-fossil fuel-based feedstocks. That sounds excellent. Is there anything you'd like to add maybe that I forgot to ask? So one area of research that this grant is going to help is in an area of making polymers from carbon dioxide. And so we're really excited about this prospect of actually, rather than making it from bio-based feedstocks, rather than making it from petrochemicals, can we actually make our polymers directly from carbon dioxide, which could act then in the future as a profitable way of sequestering CO2 into value-added products. Wow, that's excellent. Because I had heard about projects where they literally suck the carbon dioxide out of the air and bury it deep underground and kind of sequester it in rocks and stuff. But I guess it would be pretty cool if you could take it and turn it into, you know, like a car or a spoon or something. Yeah. And what I get real excited about is with these polymers that could potentially be 100% made from carbon dioxide. Now, your, your very first comment about, I feel bad when I put it in the trash and it goes into the landfill. Well, now you've buried the CO2. And so it actually gets this extra value or this extra life as a plastic before you bury it for the next 1,000 years. That was Assistant Professor Dr. James Egan from the University of Akron's Department of Polymer Science and Polymer Engineering. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.